Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hi there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you news in tech from across the country and around the world. Remember you can hear Tech Radio on RTE on Friday evenings or anytime you like with your favourite podcasting app from Apple, Google, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Of course we also keep you up to date every single day of the week with all things tech here in the country with hourly updates and daily newsletters. You can grab them for free at techcentral.ie as well. My name is Dusty Rhodes. You're welcome to episode 861 and with us as always is our editor-in-chief uh, Niall Kitson. Niall, I suppose the big story this week and it's a cracking great story. Hello and thank you to Mr. Intel. Yeah. 1,600 mm-hmm. more jobs. Yeah, Pat Gelsinger, the uh, new head of Intel, um, served with the company previously and then went off on Rumspringa and then uh, <laughs> came back uh, to head up the company again. So there's a, a couple of developments stateside, which I think you'll probably talk about, but uh, locally in their plant in Leakslip, which they've, they've been in Ireland since 1989, you know, it's more than 30 years. So um, another tremendous vote of confidence in the operation here. They're building as uh, a new factory uh, capability uh, resulting in 1,600 jobs. And when I look at these things, I always go, okay, 1,600 jobs. What are we looking at? You know, admin, backend accounts, sort of non-tech jobs, you mm. know? No, these are actual tech manufacturing jobs, uh, which is absolutely fantastic to see. I mean, they've already got a workforce of 5,000 out there with this additional 1,600 people uh, joining uh, I think in what three years time they they will actually have the largest um, center in Europe for chip manufacturing will be in Ireland will be in Leakslip and it will be Intel. Excellent. It seems that Intel have had a real kick in the rear end recently. Uh, Two things have happened with Intel. One is that they've got a new global CEO. And the second is that Apple, of course, went bye and then released their M1 processor, which the entire world has just gone, wow, we want one. That's a really good point about the M1 and uh, that I hadn't thought of that. You know, all of a sudden we're we're in this really interesting stage because, yeah, Apple have, you know, they've left the building. But because of COVID, we are in a global supply shortage of chips. All of a sudden, chips are going to be a hot, hot, hot commodity. And mm. Intel are developing a, a new one called Alder Lake. Uh, officially, we we haven't seen anything to do with it yet, but the leaks about it have been floating around the internet for uh, mm. for the past week. So yeah, a new CEO and Pat. Pat Gelsinger, new chip in Alder Lake, a new factory in uh, in Leakslip, and uh-huh. uh, more stateside as well. So, to tell us about yeah. what's going on there. Well, it's just, uh, they also announced uh, this week that they're going to build two new plants in uh, Arizona, and they're sinking uh, twenty billion dollars into that. And it just seems to be a case of, all right, okay, you know, we've had the foot off the gas for a little while. Let's bam, bam, go for it. Uh, And there's been a lot of talk about Alder Lake, as you said. I think one of the key things when it comes to processors is to uh, 
Now, I'm not entirely sure about this, but I know the number is 10. All right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's nanomicrons of the width of the actual silicon or something like that. However, the number is ten. Uh, they were trying to get it down to seven. Every uh, attempt that they have made so far has not impressed people, because the processor has just not run fast enough. And uh, what Intel are saying now is new plants, new development. We are really working on this processor, and we're doing this, this, and this, and this, and it is absolutely going to run at blindingly fast feeds, speeds. Which is what you want to hear. You want to hear more Which is speed, exactly less what you power. Want to hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's so that's kind of exactly what I see. Now I think it's going to be the the end of the year before we actually see anything coming from Intel. But I think in twenty twenty two is going to be an interesting round of announcements uh, when we get our live shows back next year. And I think a lot of them are going to be our processors are now X times faster, or we're as fast as the Apple processor, or whatever happens to be. Now, when you raise that issue of what's going to happen next year when we get our live shows back, we're also going to have massive supply chain issues. Massive supply chain um, issues. Yes, but they will work themselves out now. I was remember, do you remember the tsunami um, Goodness, in Thailand, wasn't it? Yeah. And Malaysia. Uh, around the, and that was back in, oh, uh, is it 20 years ago, 2001? Goodness, really? Was it that long ago? It's a long time. But after Mm. that uh, tsunami, there was a shortage in hard drives. Right. Because a lot of the hard drive uh, facilities that would have been in the area in the manufacturers were completely flooded. Hmm. Right. And I do remember buying a lot of hard drives and spend, spending, you know, twice, three, four times the price I normally would because there was a shortage. But it picked up within a year. So I think the same thing will happen with uh, with processors. What else is happening in the news this week? Um, yes, Samsung phones in Ireland will be delivered by drone within three minutes. This is a nice minutes. little local story, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's a great headline, isn't it? Now, of mm. course, there's an asterisk. There's no way you or I are going to be able to order a Samsung phone and have it delivered within three minutes. Um, but I think it's a great little uh, experiment. There's a, a company in Ireland called Mana Drone Delivery. They started off doing food delivery or that was their plan. Yeah. And I think they're just generally into that. What they want to do is they want to be able to fly these drones. It's at uh, whatever, up to 80 kilometers an hour. They only hover like 80 meters above the the, the street. Mm. Yeah. Well, the the regulations around drone flying are they're quite binding. I mean, it's very much a case of uh, drones are capable of so much, but the legislation is very, very strict on what they're mm. legally allowed to do. So to see companies start doing uh, proper drone deliveries uh, is absolutely mm. fascinating and brilliant because I, you remember we've we've seen a couple of these pilot projects. I remember Domino's Pizza did one in New Zealand and it was very much sort of, oh, look, you can do, you know, pizza delivery by drone. And you looked at it and you're like, that is so complicated. Like, I mean, you can do it. But I mean, you know, extra cost, waiting, you know, it's it's much easier just to put a guy on a bicycle and just send him off, you know. <laughs> oh, you're such a Philistine. The, 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 the potential is absolutely there to get to your... Uh, it is. Yes. And then we started. And, and it widens the circle. It might not work for if the pizza delivery place is within a mile of, of, of where you live. Um, but what if you are outside of the city, city boy, and the mm. nearest pizza delivery place is maybe 15 or 20 miles away? A drone yeah, would yeah. work perfectly in that instance. And in England, uh, uh, the hospitals were ferrying uh, medication between each other using drones, which I think thought was yeah. a fantastic.
fantastic use of the technology. It's like, yeah, OK, there you go. Mm. It is it is an interesting use of the technology. Um, I really liked, we ch- chatted to a pilot and he said he got out of the airline business and into drones. And what he does now is he is able to use drones to fly along miles and miles of electricity pylons and go up and down those pylons and inspect them to make Hmm. sure that they're fine. And I thought that's a really interesting uh, use of drones. I think another really interesting use of drones we have seen with uh, drone taxis carrying people. Where you yeah, just Tesla sit into the is taxi. investing in that, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of interesting as well. Or uh, drone cargo uh, delivery uh, or drone aircraft. Because, I mean, we've seen all the, the spy movies where the Americans mm-hmm. will fly their drone aircraft over certain places with no pilot in them and is able to drop whatever missiles they want. They're also talking about doing the same thing for cargo aircraft. Yeah. Well, well, one really interesting application I saw was two years ago, I was watching the Six Nations and I was looking at um, some of the angles that they were getting, uh, particularly at, at Scrum. Uh, and I was like, God, you know, this is this is very detailed. Like, how are they how are they managing this? Because previously, you know, the the old model was you you'd have sort of spider cams, which would be you know they they'd be on um, cables running from one end of the stadium to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, the problem is that you know it's quite problematic in that you've only got you know a, a straight line of of vision. I suppose if something is is kind of off center, that that's quite challenging to capture properly. Mm. And also you notice if a, if a particularly high kick went up in the air, it would bounce down off the rigging, you know, and be, be uh, quite, uh, quite distracting and, and quite unfortunate. But I noticed, you know, especially over the scrums, I was like, God, how are they doing this? So I asked somebody in the know on this and I said, by any chance were they using drones to, uh, to capture the game? And he said, yes. That is that is one of the things they were doing, like the, the massive amount of cameras about the place. I mean, I, I think the Super Bowl had like 100 cameras at least covering yeah. uh, covering the stadium. But uh, yeah, using drones as well in uh, broadcast. However, there are legal problems there. Um, you're not allowed to fly a drone inside a stadium. But I won't. I think there uh, certainly was action in the works for uh, professional drone operators that that there would be a, an exemption there. Well, obviously, if you know what you're doing, yes, and there's a, a certain amount of safety and everything behind it, I suppose it could be allowed. Um, another use of drones was, you, did you see the drone uh, display that they did for St. Patrick's Day over uh, the River Liffey in Dublin? I think some of those displays are absolutely fascinating to see They're come just- together. Uh, genius, aren't they? So they've got like, you know, whatever, 100 drones flying around with various different coloured lights on them. And then they're able to create shapes and lights and 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 literally anything you want in the sky. So striking. And it's just, you know, a guy with a laptop there just controlling it's these a guy with a laptop tremendous on the formations. Side of the road, yeah. <laughs> Listen, uh, what else we got in the news this week? Uh, over to Apple and the butterfly keyboard. Butterfly keyboard. Uh, we hardly knew ye. Five years yeah. of, of crazy. A, a, yeah. a part of you know the the MacBook and the MacBook Pro that people despised. Uh, the short yes, version was. Hopefully, the it, touch bar will go the same way soon. <laughs> fingers crossed. Uh, it is particularly useless uh, and expensive. Um, 
uh, basically what was Anyways. happening was any sort of debris or dust or anything got in underneath those keys it just ruined them they would stick yeah. they would not uh, respond um, they, it just rendered the keyboard completely useless to the extent that Apple had to go do you know what yeah this is a problem where we, we will uh, put in place a keyboard repair program but uh, do you know what the, the butterfly keyboard is here to stay Five years later, we now have something called the Magic Keyboard, which uh-huh. apparently is quite a bit like what happened before the Butterfly Keyboard arrived. Uh, and we've got a class action lawsuit um, off the basis of, I think it's uh, 11 actions in eight states uh, in the US. A judge in California went, yep, there's a, there's enough commonality here to uh, form a class action, which basically means that anyone who suffered from this particular problem with their with their MacBook uh, uh, of choice uh, mm. could be in line for some manner of compensation, and it's the sort of thing we've seen Apple get on the wrong side of before. If you remember Battery Gate, where oh, yeah. uh, it was discovered that Apple was throttling um, the uh, the batteries on old versions of iPhones to uh, get people to upgrade their handsets so it could get, you know, the full iOS experience, as Apple was saying. They, they came out and admitted that they were doing it because they didn't mm. want people using older iPhones because it wasn't, uh, they wouldn't be getting full value of uh, the software they wanted to push because, mm. of course, Apple see hardware and software as, as pretty much the same thing. Uh, so therefore, if you can't run the latest hardware, you know, there's probably no point in having a, an old phone. Uh, it ended up costing Apple $500 million and uh, quite a bit of embarrassment uh, mm. in the end. So, uh, Dusty, you you have quite uh, an old uh, MacBook Air, um, but did you play around with the butterfly keyboard when it came out? I have the Air and uh, I also got a MacBook Pro since then, uh, which I think is 2016, 2017. So it definitely has the butterfly keys on it. Um, it's it, it's fine. It's working away for me. All right. It's not a laptop that I use uh, a lot, uh, to be honest. So mm. I haven't had any problems with it yet. If I were to have problems with it, I don't really want to get compensation for it. I just want to be able to bring it back into an Apple repair center and say, put one of the new keyboards on it and I'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had that problem. I actually had it because I had Apple Care on it and I had a problem with the, the screen and it was a known problem with the screens at the time. Mm. And I brought it into, oh, crikey, I can't remember their name, but they're over near Blanchestown anyway. And really, really good guys, actually. It was a Mac today, um, was it? It's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, anyways, I, I brought in the, the MacBook and they said, all right, yeah, no, that's 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 a known problem. Hang on a minute. We'll put the serial number in. You've got Apple uh, uh, Care on that. And I went, yes. And they went, OK, Grant, come back tomorrow. We'll have a brand new screen put on that for you. Wow. No charge. Done. That service. That service. Uh, oh, absolutely. It was fantastic. So, so I, I don't care about the class. The class action will be good if it makes it a case where Apple will have to figure out a way of getting rid of that bloody stupid butterfly keyboard and replacing it with the magic one. Yeah, well, Anyways. apparently that's that's happening across the board, you know, but butterfly uh, RIP. But here's an interesting yeah. thing um, on how uh, they're going to figure out what the damages are, because um, there, there's a couple of options, one of which is, you know, cash in claw. Yep. They, this is worth you know 50 200 euro whatever um put this in your in your pocket uh, or uh we'll just replace your keyboard for you um if and when something goes wrong with it uh, mm. so, you know it might be perfectly fine for the for the duration of of its lifespan but if it breaks we'll fix it for free now yeah. the way uh, the judge might be figuring out 
uh, how much an affected person is to get uh, from a successful uh, lawsuit is as follows. Now, you have, we're, we're just going to pluck a number out of the air here, okay? You have spent $1,000 on what you consider to be a fully functioning uh, MacBook, right? Yes. With the keyboard. Yes. Now, say Apple comes to you and goes, oh yeah, the, the keyboard, mm, it's a bit dodgy. We'll, we'll give you a, a, a different price on it. How much do you think it's worth? And what percentage of discount do you think that is worth logically, right? So the judge could be looking at the difference in price between a full price MacBook and a discounted MacBook and go, yeah, that's probably the value of your inconvenience. That's how much you should get back. You're all about the money now, Kitson, aren't you? Cash in claw. Give me cash. But hey, you know, <laughs> it, it could go towards buying a new MacBook with a better keyboard. Oh, goodness, 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 goodness. <laughs> True. Anyway, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, let's get on to our last story of the day. We've got uh, three or four minutes for it. And that is, um, I love this story, so I want to hear all about it. Again, in the States, somebody has figured out with 3D printing how to 3D print a house. Oh, come on. 3D printed houses have been with us for quite a while now. What's what's interesting to me is how quickly it can take to uh, to build a 3D house. So I'm just going to throw this at you. How long does it take to build a house? Uh, I don't, like months, years. It, it shouldn't. But uh, let's say a year to build a house. OK, well, uh, you know, a contractor built house, you know, sort of a, a cookie cutter housing estate house will take about nine months. From, there you uh, go. Yeah, beginning that'd be about right. Yeah. So uh, apparently, if you use a 3D printer, you can bring this down to a matter of days. In some cases, a matter of hours, uh, up to about 48 hours is is the the quickest I've seen. But uh, apparently in California, they have a massive problem with uh, housing, kind of like what we have over here. Uh, So there is a pilot project by two companies. One is Mighty Buildings and the other is Polari. Uh, which is a sustainable real estate development group. And they have basically taken a, 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 uh, some land out in, the, in Coachella Valley and they have built a community of 15 3D printed houses uh, and they're putting them on, on for sale, starting at $595. $595,000. Yeah, now let's, thank you let, for correcting let's yourself. Get the number right here. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, will I would I live in the desert for five hundred ninety five dollars for a house? And I go, oh, that's yeah. tempting. And then and then you changed it all. Yeah. Well, apparently these these actually quite large houses can be put up in twenty four hours, and uh, the style of them is actually quite um kind of Frank Lloyd Wrightish. You know, it's it's got that sort of Lego kind of look to it, I guess. Um, and they're they're. Very nice. Uh, each square, each home is about 12,000 12, square feet, so quite large with a swimming pool nice. uh, and the option to pay for extra things like cabana, a hot tub, fire pits, all, all this sort of out- outdoor showers. And of course, that bumps up the, the price accordingly. But uh, you can have a very nice residence um, for, uh, you know, 
very very it's actually quite a, quite a lot what they're what they're pitching out there but i've also seen 3d printed houses for about ten thousand uh, dollars in russia and of course the the construction time is so much so much less as well uh the california houses were taking about 24 hours to do um but uh these are using sort of uh, piece by piece assembly Right. So, you know, we'll do a wall, we'll transport it, we'll do another wall, it'll fit like this, we'll, you know, transport it. I have actually seen a pilot project in Belgium where it took 48 hours to print a house from beginning to end on site. No wow. transporting anything on site. They have this special 3D printer and it looks like a crane that you might see on the docklands. And then there's the nozzle mm. and it sort of runs back and forth. And, you know, the, the tell as to whether a house is, you know, regular brick or 3D is because 3D printing works on layers. So they all have this sort of telltale layer by layer interior. Mm. So I don't know if people are going to get tired of that um, and, you know, they'll start plastering over it. But for the moment, uh, it looks quite fetching uh, and these things can be done super, super quickly. It is really interesting. I saw a video online during the week, uh, one of these stupid Facebook things, and it was a robot that lays uh, uh, bricks Bricklayer b- builds walls. Oh. And I kind of, I'm watching it. I'm going, wow, that's amazing. Because literally, you know, kind of the, the bricks slide down an arm and then the robot places it in the right place and stuff like that. And then the next brick comes along and places it in the right. And it's beautiful until you realize, hang on a minute, uh, where, where's all that plaster that goes in between the concrete blocks to stick everything together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's not there. And I went into the comments and everyone's going, yeah, yeah, but... However, I'm sure they'll figure that out. But both of those stories with the uh, uh, robot laying bricks and the 3D printed, there's only one man I'm thinking of when I hear those stories. Elon Musk. He's your answer for everything. No, he's not my answer for everything. I just said he's the man I thought of because one of the things that he is trying to figure out is how do you make Mars ready for people when they eventually get there? And, and he's talking is. about sending lots of, you know, spacecraft there first. And like we were saying, drone cargo uh, craft, essentially. And what they will do is they will land on the surface and all of the gear will be ready. So when humans arrive, they'll have what they need to live. That is but an what exceptional it, point. Yeah. But what if you sent up a, a load of robots? And this is another thing that he is thinking of, is that you would send up robots that would essentially be able to lay out um, solar panels and the basis of a of a camp or a, a city or a, whatever it is. It's, it's like it's fascinating where thought is going. Hmm. Yeah. And the kind of things that we are thinking about. And it was the same, neither you nor I were around uh, for the space race in, in the 50s and the 60s. But the amount of innovation, because they were thinking of that problem of we need to get into space, we need to travel to the moon, we need to land on the darn thing, play golf and then come back. <laughs> I like the way you put play golf as part of the, the must-haves there. But, 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 but that's what they did. Mm. Um, and the same is happening now about going to Mars, where they're thinking of all of these problems where we need to go and we need to and we need to solve this, solve this, solve this. And we are seeing the benefits of that new technology here on little old planet Earth. Yeah, I think so, particularly in, in drones and 3D printing. I think you're exactly right. Exactly. All right. Well, listen, we leave it there for the news for this week. Niall Kitson, thank you as always. 
That's it for our show this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie and of course you can listen to us each week online on your podcast player or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time from myself Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitts thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.